Transition. Let's go. We're in. We're hot. We're live. Ooh. No fancy intro this time. Why? Because no it's fireside. F- unscripted. Bum, bum, super bum. unscripted. Off the cuff. Super chill. Super chillax. Get out your smoking jacket and your fez. And why I'm here. Other stuff. Why you're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only bring the relaxation. The, the high-speed production of the research environment. Psh, 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 psh. Yeah. Savannah yeah, only brings the chill vibe. Just chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I totally thought you were going to iPad kid that. Just fall on, like, tongue out, cough into the mic. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm trying to be respectful of people's know. time and eardrums. <laughs> It's just because I live with teenagers and that's their favorite joke right now is they'll just walk up to me and like iPad kid me. I had to act like I knew what that was until you explained it because I was like, I don't know what that means. I had to Google cap and no cap so I could use it appropriately with Uh, a a 19 year old. What? No cap? Why would I know this, John? You youngins. Robin got it. (laughs) Robin got it. That's how you use it. Get with the times. So can we uh, get to the? <laughs> I don't want to get, the the wanna get the, to any is the times. part of the podcast where we just torture Savannah. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's why you're all here. <laughs> it's true. Oh it's my goodness. Okay, so um, somebody introduce us. Yes, I'm Robin. That's John. That's Savannah. This week we are talking about the clickbait headlines that got us. Uh, we're talking about three different articles that we found, one each, that we felt like the headlines were very sensational and the content of the article was um, not, and also sometimes just completely way off base. So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to go through them and uh, talk about each one. We'll talk about the headline first, and then first impressions of, of like what we thought the article should be explaining to us, and then we'll talk about the actual content of the article. Um and we will make sure that we link all of these in our social, in the episode description. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about them on social individually as we go through the week. Because uh, the other day I learned that Instagram doesn't like it when you use political words. So we're going to have to come up with a social strategy that is a little bit on the download A-political. side. <laughs> so we'll be talking about these probably in a handy dandy green screen reel. You're all welcome. Oh, I got to get a green screen Dang, no, right. it's a filter. I have so much to learn. I know. No cap. No cap. But oh God. It's so okay. useful, though. All right. Yeah. So here's my proposed <laughs> order. Uh, we will go. I, I'm proposing that we go in order of magnitude that they made me angry, which is mine first, then Savannah's, <laughs> and then John's. Yay. That's that's. Pretty much how life goes. I like bossing people. John's always the one that upsets you most. It's fair. Go for it. It's fair. Okay. The floor is yours. Okay. Article one is from CNN. And actually, this headline caught my attention a couple weeks ago. And I, without thinking, sent a screenshot from Instagram from a reputable news source um, that just had a picture of the headline. And the headline is. A Michigan police chief has apologized after it emerged that the department used images of black men during target practice. On the surface, that makes me angry, right? Like, that gets me fired up. And I was like, well, this is a thing that happened. 
And everyone was like legitimately fired up. And then I don't think it even took an hour before I was like, okay, here's a deal. We got to talk about misleading headlines because yeah. So I got, got. yeah. Do we want to uh, give away the twist or do we want to talk about the article first? Oh, give away the twist okay. because yeah. the way I read this, cause I knew what it, this was about reading it because I have personally trained on those targets. Yeah. And, um, so like, as I was reading through it, reading people, like what they were saying and the reactions, like knowing what those targets are, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically story here, a, a boy scout troop was on a tour through the Farmington Hills police department one day. And, uh, a photo taken by an unidentified individual on the tour showed Three of the hanging targets that officers use to practice their quick response times and basically train them to only shoot bad guys, not to shoot old ladies with groceries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it turns out that out of the 100 percent of targets that this police department uses, 85 percent of them are Caucasian and 15 percent of them are black. So the huge outrage in this is because the headline conjures that picture that, oh, all of their targets, right? All of the targets that they use are black men and they're only practicing. And that explains why police are more likely to shoot black men than they are Caucasian men. And while, yes, they are like more likely to shoot black men than they are to shoot Caucasian men, the conversation is just intricately more nuanced than what race are the targets that are hanging in their shooting range. Yeah, this is a this is a red herring uh, frankly yeah. because what the the way that these targets are used is there there's a couple of ways they're used. It depends on how the court how it's set up. Sometimes they're facing away from you and then the target will turn to face you and you have to make a judgment call, shoot or no shoot, do they have a weapon, do they not have a weapon? Or sometimes you walk into a scenario or a situation and you have to assess, you know, what am I looking at? And some of these targets are you know, bad guys, quote unquote, they have, you know, sunglasses. I don't know why all bad guys wear sunglasses, but they do in this world and like hats and a gun. And they're really like, they're like making some gesture that is threatening with the gun. And you have to, you know, assess, oh, there's a weapon. This person is intending to use it. I need to issue commands. And then a lot of the times what would happen is we'd have an instructor off of our shoulder and they would say, you know, they're not reacting or they're starting to to shoot, like give us a cue to react off of. Sometimes they'd mm -hmm. say they dropped the weapon. And so then you have to, you know, change your tactics. So it wasn't always like, oh, there's a guy with a gun, shoot him. You know, in our in our training environment, which might not be the same as as every not, training not environment, it was there was, you know, randomization to that. Um, and sometimes, yes, the person that was the subject of the of the image was uh, a, you know, a black guy or a black woman. But it makes sense because when you're out doing police work in the population, sometimes the people that you come up against are going to be <gasps> black people. Right. They do exist. They do. Right. So 
this is actually something that I think can be a useful and is a useful tool for identifying and training out bias, mm -hmm. especially bias in reactions, because your reactions tend to be something that you don't actively consciously process. You just react. And if you're reacting and shooting somebody who, because they have darker skin and that shows up in the training, then like, hey, we need to have a talk. Right. But this article is terrible. It's terrible. And it's it is honestly it's from CNN. And I really expected better. Um, I think in the article itself, the body of the article, they do a really good job of walking through everyone's perspective. I would say the article itself is clearly unbiased and presents all of the sides of the information, including statistics, right? You've got the statistics about how many of the targets were black and how many were Caucasian, but also they tell you that 18.5% of the Farmington Hills population is black, right? So you're able to compare the percentage of targets with the actual percentage of the population. It's not way off base, right? If anything, there could have been a few more. But what frustrates me is that this is outrage baiting, right? If I have dark skin, I'm going to read this and I'm going to get really angry. And and it features, the quote that it features, the Boy Scout troop hired a lawyer, right? And, and yeah. this lawyer's going into detail about how this is absolutely not acceptable. They shouldn't have to see people who look like them hanging up in these targets because we are not your target, right? Black people are not your target. And that's unrealistic because unless people are never going to encounter black people in a law enforcement situation, then we need them to have that kind of experience, like John was saying. And so, I don't know, this one just, it caught me and then it pissed me off. And I'm mad that there's enough that happens in our society that I could believe it instantly. And I'm mad that I got taken. Savannah, I'm sorry. You, you said you mentioned that you had used similar targets. Um, some, it, I mean, the Marine Corps doesn't do shoot versus don't shoot. Uh, yeah. They only do shoot. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> hmm. That could be in a T-shirt. Marine Corps, Marine Corps, Marine Corps. We only do shoot. We only do shoot. So, yeah, um, but the targets that I've practiced on were also culturally different. Mm -hmm. yeah. They have, um, they also uh, do a lot of just silhouettes that, just like the man silhouette. It's yeah. not detailed. And yeah, when we, I, we trained on those too. When I uh, first started reading this article, I'm like, well, yeah, they're all just black because it's, <laughs> <shadow. laughs> it's just a shadow. That's another one. <laughs> Look, oh, it's been it's been a week. Yeah. Um, so, Ooh. yeah, that's I don't know. We don't uh, do the whole training on um, not shooting. But yeah, the when I was reading the article that came up me thinking like, well, yeah, of course they're black. Um, and also we practiced on someone that looked like Freddie Mercury. Hmm. Um, it was oh, yeah. definitely a white dude. But yeah, facial features exactly like Freddie Mercury. So anyway, we I are think prepared. We had that target too. Actually. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, it looks. I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm murdering Queen. <laughs> I'm absolutely obsessed with the market for target practice stock photography now. Oh, I oh don't they think have it's tons. Been updated since like the '80s. Oh my god! Like the, the, no, the targets doing... I was using was definitely using was wearing dated clothing as I'm well. So if you go out into this. town, 
you can get zombies. You can get you can oh, get yeah. like any anything. Yeah. So no, but I mean like there's because um, in marketing, right? I use Adobe Stock almost every single day. I go find stock photography of old and injured dogs and of burning sage and of all kinds of different things for our clients. Um, so what kind of monster client wants an old and injured dog? We actually have a client who only sells Is a products. Monster. No, they sell products for old and injured dogs. It's about the marketing, John. Could you just chill out? They sell, no. they sell mobility aids. They sell supplements. Well, they sell not a monster company, but don't break my heart. Harnesses. Okay, Tony. That's Brad, my Tony my Brad. job is to break your heart and then take your money. Cruel. <laughs> Cruel. It works. It does. I'm super good at it. Yeah. But in the so, arms of an angel, man, I'll never be able to listen uh, to that song again. Absolutely ruined it. Well, my article. Yeah. Moving along. <laughs> Moving <laughs> right go. along. I can, I have to keep you guys on the track. Yep. Keep us honest here. All right. So my article um, comes from Fox News, y'all's favorite uh, news source. Um, and it is Twitter disgusted by New York Times piece suggesting that there is a time and a place for cannibalism. And that is just right off the cuff. <laughs> sensationalized right like that's yeah <laughs> everyone likes a little bit of cannibalism um so when I'm you just s- gonna clip together savannah moments and that's gonna be our <laughs> social media strategy for this week right there that's it our, you, that that's our how, many, how many instagram people can we can we discuss with savannah's <laughs> you know praising cannibalism don't knock it till you try it. I actually am considered. Never mind. I'm not. So I have. I <laughs> ate part of my placenta. So I mean, I feel like I could be considered a cannibal. They go into. You didn't uh, like. I, this you is didn't like pill. Like you didn't freeze dry and do pills. Because so I don't know I, if that counts. Anyway, we need to stop. I, I digress. <laughs> I have always been fascinated by the placental eating craze. I don't get it. I, Look, I. If it helped me with the hormone shift i was on board with anything so it could have been a placebo effect it could have not but whatever i don't care i can't even eat like foie gras so here's the thing is that matrix is poor self um and actually your wife helped like sneak the placenta out of the hospital john did you know that (laughs) She's a placenta no! thief. You know she she would be behind something like yeah, this. Oh, I know it. I'm just <laughs> sad. Anyway, and Matrix t- took it home and cooked it, um, and then pulverized Wait. it, and then pilled it. So yeah, I do think I remember the story. Yep, and I'm pretty sure I blocked it from my mind Aww. because there's an exhibit in I'm san diego matrix sauteing placenta and it's oh he took a picture he a took wild a picture of it. yep yeah. Instant um, pot that there's shit. an ex- <laughs> oh can you imagine the steam no you open it, <laughs> it would smell so bad <laughs> it, it was very vague. we're not even talking about the article anymore <laughs> horrifying we're uh, this is Everything is content. Everything is content. So, John, um, there's an exhibit in the Balboa Park, and it's the bodies exhibit kind of thing, sort of, but it's um, about cannibalism. 
So I went over there with a friend. And they talk about As how they're... does. Yes. I mean, I'd go um, to it. <laughs> right. I learned a lot, okay? And there was a part at the end, and like my poor friend who will be um, listening to this also, um, we were going through and looking at the... Um, different types of cannibalism there is and talk mm. about like, well, where do you draw the line? If you chew your nails, does that count? Does it have to be meat? Can it be breast milk? Can it be like it, the people that eat hair, um, drink blood? Some people like lick their wounds and they drink the blood from the wounds, that kind of stuff. Where do you draw the line at cannibalism? Like, does it have to be the chopping? John's face is just fantastic right mm. now. I wish everyone who could hear it. <laughs> Check out the YouTube because that's where you'll see it. And all of and, its uh, horror. And the placenta was on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've done this. Anyway, uh, I love you, Liz. Thank you for continuing to be my friend. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the article. So um, this article is sensationalized because they're trying to make it seem like the New York Times is in favor of cannibalism. Uh-huh. When, in fact, the New York Times piece, like... For one, I hate articles about articles. Like, you can get yeah. into just, like, that's not journalism. We should write an article about this article about an article. I mean, technically, we're doing a podcast about the article. see how many outrage clicks we can get. So Holy many. crap, we are. <gasps> we're so what? meta. Yeah, well, in that article, John, I'm going to put up the pictures of my placenta as it's being diced up. No, this is a meta. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, um... The actual article that New York Times was writing about was talking about cannibalism in like media and literary works and works of art. They were not talking about actual cannibalism. So that right off the cuff is completely misleading, uh, unnecessary, just driving clicks. And it if you're a Fox News uh, reader, listener, and you see that you're just going to automatically think the New York Times people want to eat people and it just further divides things. So that's my take on it. What did y'all think? Um, Well, so here's what made me angry as I was reading through the article. Um, I am a big fan of using Twitter as a collective noun. Twitter is mad. Twitter is angry. Twitter is stupid, right? In this case... Fox News is heavily trying to imply that a few conservative dudes who write shit sometimes are Twitter. Right. So as you go through the article, their only quotes are from like three or four conservative authors who don't make any meaningful comment about the scope of the article except for one and only respond to the headline. Well, no, Twitter's not disgusted. Three or four dudes forgot to read the article. Forgot. That was actually my point is that it writing a story about Twitter reactions is the dumbest idea that a news agency could right. have, which is probably why Fox is officially filed as an entertainment agency. But it's true. Like the 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 problem with Twitter and the problem with headlines in general is that people very often, very frequently, only read headlines. That's why clickbait works, because <clears throat> even though the goal behind clickbait, the primary goal is to get people to click into the article so they can get that sweet, sweet advertising money. Robin, you monster feeding into this. Um, 
the secondary goal is to get people talking about it and generating traffic so that more people click yeah. into it. So the, the headlines are obviously constructed to elicit an emotional response. And sometimes a lot of times it's anger or disgust or outrage. Sometimes it's like awe or um, angry clicks. Warmth. No, no, no. The opposite of that. Sometimes it's like, you won't believe what this mother did for her children, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I can't wait to read this heartwarming story that's probably made up or sensationalized out the butt. Right. Um, and this sort of journalism just feeds into that. I think it's a horrible trend. I think it's making the discourse around how we talk about the goings on in the world more limited and overall just dumber. Yeah. Right? Would you like this to tweet about just, that? Hmm? Would you like to tweet about that? You know, I would. No, I, I have a Twitter I use it so infrequently. I've had it for years now, and I think I have fewer than like twenty tweets somewhere in there. Maybe, yeah. maybe fewer than fifty. I don't know. Most of the time, I actually just end up reacting to one single friend's jokes on Twitter, who I've known since like middle school, and that's like it. I just feed into his jokes. Yeah. So <laughs> I mine is all full of um, football shit. When I get really mad and I don't have anybody to talk to football. Uh, talk to you about football while it's happening. A lot of times Scream I'll just scream into the void, tweet angry things. Um, but the like the the Fox News article looks like they're doing their due diligence and linking to the New York Times article. Right in the first mm -mm. paragraph, it just said they say after the New York Times published an article and there's a link there. It's just to a database of Fox News articles about the New York Times. It's not even a link exactly. to the actual article. Because Which is awful, awful journalism. Oh, Sorry. it's it's awful journalism, but also um, they have a lot to lose by linking externally. Because um, then, oh, they're going to go find the real source. And they're going to be exposed to real yes, they, news. They can't they can't let their readers outside of the loop. Um, that is the click hole that is Fox News, because once the their reader exits, they'll see that. The actual headline for that New York Times article is a taste for cannibalism, question mark. And the subhead is a spate of recent stomach churning books, TV shows and films suggests we've never looked so delicious to one another. Right. It is clear what this piece is about. But if you let people outside of the bounds of your journalism, they're going to discover that you are intentionally misinterpreting the thing. I mean, reasonable people. Um, one. <laughs> One of the things about this article is that it did force me to confront a little bit of bias. Um, uh -oh. As I was reading Please. it, I was getting really frustrated at the intentional misreading and misunderstanding of the article, the New York Times article. And um, I found myself thinking about the reasonable person standard and like, would a reasonable person read this and think that this article is condoning cannibalism in any way or suggesting that it might be an acceptable option. And I found myself immediately going to the idea that conservative commentators do not equal reasonable people. So that was a little bit of, of a bias for me that I have to confront and I have to work through. But I was like, of course, these people misunderstand it because they are unreasonable. I believe mostly intentionally, 
But so there's that. There's that. And, and just the deliberate ignoring of or inclusion of comments that we know from context as humans and how people talk to each other were humorous, but they're included yeah. as though they're serious, right? Like, you know, society's gotten bad when the New York Times is like, we now recommend that you start eating each other. That's clearly the a one joke. right under that is the one under that is what I was looking at. Scientist Dr. David Schiffman lamented that this wasn't the type of progress he envisioned for humanity, tweeting, I was promised flying cars. Like, right. No, that's clearly Internet humor. Yes. <sighs> and, and to be deliberately obtuse. I'm, I'm assuming deliberately obtuse um, because I really do want to confront that bias. Um, yeah, it just. It's the framing yep. of the tweet, as there's one reporter from The Hill who commented on the framing of the tweet from The New York Times and how, like, yeah, we get that this is what it's about, but the framing makes it look like this. Okay, that's a good thing for one journalist to call it to another. I'm pretty confident that the New York Times knew exactly how they were framing that piece. But. I mean, it. the New York Times title by itself was a clickbait headline. Yeah. But it was, there's, I still hate clickbait. I still don't approve of this. But that's the kind of headline that gets you to read the article. Right. Well, yeah. And there. Mm. Oh, OK. You know what? Oh, Savannah's Sorry. raising her hand and then I'll say she's going to say words. we need to get to the next one. No, we, oh, we still uh, have yeah, time. In a second. We have plenty of time. Um, so on my blog, I wrote an article once. I think it was back in 2018. And the title of the article is the time I was bent over and fucked by like four different men. And I shared that on my social media and my stats went through the fucking roof. Yep. Like insanity. And the whole entire article was me. Like I was salaciously talking about stuff. And then I was like, and this is ridiculous fucking clickbait. And I can't believe you guys fall for it. I'm so tired of this kind of like, anyway, it gets people every time. I'm probably going to go repost that tonight. Yeah, do it, it does. <laughs> it does. And it, that's we'll actually share it on really... the fireside breakdowns. Main. <laughs> we won't. We won't. We won't. Robin's got a, an image to uphold, John. No, I don't can, no, want can... to get my Instagram account that is barely hanging on by dear life taken off of the platform. <laughs> How Savannah killed our podcast. No, um, <laughs> just kidding. Well, okay, no, that's the next article. <laughs> that's the point, though. The difference, there's a, a very distinct delineation between an intriguing and well-written headline that's going to cause people to engage and clickbait. This is clickbait. New York Times is an intriguing headline. The substance to back up the headline is all in the New York Times article. It's not leading you to believe anything that it's not laying out at the beginning. But you do want to know what the heck Right. But the the Fox News article, the CNN article, the content of the article does not match the headline. And that's where that line for clickbait from a marketing perspective, at least, that's where the line for clickbait comes in. The, it's full of red meat for the <laughs> for the. Um, the the specific base we talked about him a lot in the first series of this season um the the person who is afraid of the changes that they perceive in the world and think mm -hmm. that it is 
the result of of drifting from God or or the the liberal media or something like that. And that's why they have a lot of these quotes in here. Mm-hmm. It, they just these quotes only make sense in the mentality of you know, we are a nation cast adrift from God and we need his mercy to save us. Right. Or we are a nation controlled by the liberal media and we need to, you know, overthrow them and, and get back to real reporting, stuff like that. Yeah. There is even it's, a line in there about uh, pagan undertones, right? There's pagan yeah, undertones yeah. in the Times article. It all yeah. Speaking about paganism, though. Oh, but yeah. hold on. I just have Boom. to say that. Um, oh, it was such a good segue, is, Robin. I have to throw this in there because then everybody who hears this is going to have it stuck in their head, too. All I've been thinking this entire time is um, the Shia LaBeouf can- cannibal song. Actual you cannibal mean, Shia actual LaBeouf. cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Which, no joke, goes so through surprised. my head four or five times a day. But this has just made it worse all day long. I've been singing that in Shia my head. Shia Surprise. All right. Well, thank God. You know what else is a surprise? Oh, you're about to know what we're talking about, Savannah. You're going to get that music video sent directly to Uh your brain. Uh, I don't click on things, so good luck. Uh, (laughs) We'll put a really catchy title on it, and you'll be like, oh, what's this about? As long as it's about how I can have better poops. (laughs) Uh, Now we know the secret. That's how we get good poops. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Anyway, so my article. Um, <clears throat> comes from Christianity Today. And this First one problem. <laughs> hit Sorry. my confirmation bias button like one of those freaking like bells at the state fair where you use the big hammer to ring it, you know, mm-hmm. send the little metal thing up to ring it. I saw this, I saw who it was from, and I immediately was like, okay, that checks out. And I never, like, I actually didn't even read the article the first time because I was like, I know what that's about. It's not worth my time. And it wasn't until actually on Twitter, somebody (laughs) was like, hey, this article is actually about this. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll check it out because that is an M. Night Shyamalan twist. M. Night Shyamalan, I'll say it right. So the headline is fantasy role playing is hurting America. And somewhere in the 80s, a mother has snatched a D&D board away from their child <gasps> as I read that. So this actually opens up pretty much leading you exactly mm-hmm. where you think it's going to do. The first statement is like, as a kid in the 1980s, I heard dire warnings from my evangelical elders about the fantasy role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, come on, please. I hope that Twitter article was... Or I hope that Twitter that tweet was uh, was right. So in this, the author talks about how um, fantasy role playing of a different sort is actually what's ruining America, and that is not the D and D role playing, the resurgence in popularity that it is experiencing at this moment. It is actually has it actually has to do specifically with this in this article with Steve Bannon. Yeah. And his role in basically building up a certain subset of, you know, uh, of supporters, of Trump supporters, no two ways about it, mm-hmm. to to lead up to January 6th and to do things like that. And the article goes through how Bannon thinks about 
so for those who don't know, and the article describes this to a little bit, Steve Bannon actually was involved in the film industry and in the video game industry for a while um, before he became this agent provocateur that he is now. And he, so he's, he's wired to think about how to hook somebody and to keep them interested. And he talks about how people, especially your pretty average Joe, they kind of don't want to be the average Joe. They, everybody wants to be a hero to some degree. So he describes, Bannon describes, um, how did he, do, what did he call it? Dave from accounts payable. Yeah. And yeah, he, he says it's a hypothetical man. And in the days after the death of Dave from Accounts Payable, Bannon is talking about those days. And he says, some preacher from a church or some guy from a funeral home who's never met him does a 10-minute eulogy, says a few prayers, and that's Dave. And he contrasts that boring, real-life Dave from Accounts Payable with the online gaming persona that this imaginary person could have, Ajax. Ajax is tough and warlike. And when he dies in the fantasy, you know, World of Warcraft or Skyrim or a video game like that, there's a funeral pyre and thousands of people come to mourn Ajax the warrior. And that's that's actually happened in World of Warcraft. That's happened famously a couple of times. People come to mourn the real life passing of somebody who is very popular in the game. So this has like roots in reality. And Bannon says, who's more real? Dave in accounting or Ajax. And Bannon realized that disaffected men, especially better identify with their online personas and the heroic deeds that that imaginary person has done than their real life, which might be something like being a mechanic or, or being Dave from accounts payable. There's nothing inherently wrong with those roles, but they're not heroic. And this article to sum up the rest of it as best as I can, talks about how Bannon utilized that realization and that desire to be somebody to stir up the support, to stir up the anger, and to give these normal people the means to become that heroic person in real life. And then he pointed that at the Capitol, and that's that's how we get January 6th. And the article argues a little more broadly that that's why it's destroying, why it's hurting America. Yeah, this is, um, this article, well, I just, I'm fired up. I'm so many reasons. Is it a stretch? Well, I think everyone should be level set with the fact that you two are gigantic nerds and play uh, D&D. So. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, let's, total let's... nerds. <laughs> I, I want to, yeah. full disclosure, Absolutely. full disclosure for accountability. Like, why on earth are you so upset about this? I'm like, Meh. <laughs> I am a dungeon master. Okay. Yeah. The master of at least a, a dungeon and several bogs and a jungle. Yeah. Maybe some ruined churches. I'm not the master of any dungeons, but I frequent a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> no. It's true. We know the, the circles are... 
there's there's a very funny <laughs> meme about the overlap uh, cost yeah the overlap between cosplayers dungeons and dragons and people into bdsm and it basically looks like a stack of pancakes so i'm not making any personal statements no. but also that same. was very funny to me same no, I'm I'm actually my anger has nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons because I don't feel like an article like this will have any sort of um, impact on the culture of the game. Right. Because the article's not about Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah. It's a is, it's a complete is... scope shift. The article's about Steve it... Bannon. And then it's also about this Christian need to only be identified to only be significant within the scope of your religion to only be um, your basically your only worth is in the worth of Christ and you completely lose your own self-worth and take on his worth and that is how you find significance so the idea that people would need to be significant in their own way outside of that is what is pagan this article is not about D&D It's also a little different than the first two clickbait articles in that this one uses its clickbaitiness for good, question mark. At least it, it makes a very salient point that is broadly applicable in society yes. today that doesn't have anything necessarily to do specifically with Christianity and has a lot to do with just people. People who feel like they need a purpose. And so they Correct. gravitate towards what will make them get the fame and fortune or woman or, you know, money. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes me the most angry about this article is that this is a microcosm of the kind of rhetoric that we see in ideological organizations and ideological um, bubbles, right? And I'm not going to say it's only Christianity because it's not. It happens in any close-knit ideological group. But it's the rhetoric that starts with something and I am experienced in reading this stuff so I can pinpoint exactly where the scope shifts, but it shifts like this. And by the time you get to the bottom, if you are a member of this ideological group, you understand and agree with what he's saying and mentally you connect it to the headline, mentally you connect it to where you started. But this is like a politician answering a question that he was never asked, right? This is like they, what they do in debates where they get asked a specific question and they say, oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. And they answer a completely different question. That's what this is. And if you don't understand that these these sorts of tools are being used to shape your perceptions of things, it's very easy to get caught up in the conclusion. It's very easy to draw the line between point A and point B and completely forget that point A point for the you're like you're not even on that line anymore this takes you completely off of that line and then puts you somewhere else and then takes you back to the bottom and tries to draw it all together but by the end you're in such a confirmation loop that you just accept it all it reminds me exactly of sermons in general like that's like what you just explained about like you know they start out with uh scripture and then they tell a personal antidote and it like weaves in this some kind of way and they all tidy it up at the end and you're like yeah wait what like and if right. you think about like the whole journey of the sermon it doesn't none of it connects and yeah. um 
Yeah. I, um, I wonder, I, and I don't know if anyone can speak to this, but uh, if theologians um, and pastors and people who write sermons and stuff like that, if they get taught that, mm-hmm. um, that type of, well, cause I was thinking about the apologetic, uh, apologetic, mm. you get it. Mm. You got it. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> I like the coaches that I have here. I only read words. I don't say them. The, um, apologetics. Oh God. Nope. It's not going to happen. Anyway. Um, apologetics. There we go. The apologetics class that I took and was promptly asked to leave. Um, <laughs> After, <laughs> after I t- went to two out of like six and the guy uh, who was leading it told me, um, I don't think you're going to find what you need here. Um, so I suggest you uh, go somewhere else. Cause like I was told it was in the defensive Christianity. Well, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's, yeah. but what they were doing was they were teaching yeah. how to do it and teaching that thought process of like we're going to sit here and mold people's viewpoints to be what we want them to be. And I'm like, the whole time I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And he was getting so frustrated. He was like, stop. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it reminds me of that. And it, when, especially because it's coming from Christianity today, yeah. uh, it makes me wonder if like, there's something here where that's just how it's, yeah, how they're encouraged to. That write. practice is called homiletics. <laughs> Um, what? I'm going to Google that word. Yeah, it's, it's called homiletics. And there are many different um, approaches that, you know, you're taught to take during a homiletics class. And they oh teach you how to do all of this stuff. And you you can do a three-point sermon. You can do a five-point sermon. You could do a topical sermon, an apologetical sermon, a hermeneutical sermon. There's just a bajillion different times it, types. It's a study of how to conduct that apologetics how to teach people about the bible um and it's a it's a very clear process the the scope shifts super super clearly and at the end you're agreeing with something that is not even where you started yeah that i actually this to me because ah man a lot of this felt like a sermon, like you said, Savannah, but especially at the end of it, there's actually a distinct point where he stops making the point about how this is impacting America and starts talking about how all you, you know, all you need is the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's when I stopped reading, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what I expect would happen with a lot of people because this is not written for a non-believer. No. This is written to reinforce the believer. It's, it's, this is, um, an admonishment, I think, to not be led astray by the glory that you can find in video games or in Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons or in putting on your army man cosplay and raiding the Capitol, you know? This is uh, a warning and pre-corrective in a lot of ways for the believer, which makes sense because I think Christianity today is intended for Christians. It is. And Um, and this one in particular, uh, this author writes for an older audience like this is designed for a youth pastor. This is designed for a senior pastor. That's the target audience of his parents. This is not for the teenager who might be considering playing Dungeons and Dragons for the first time or for John or I 
who are, you know, experienced with it, but also have this context. <laughs> we are seasoned D&D players. <laughs> I didn't say seasoned, but um, we also have this context and we can understand it, but this is not for us. We are not the audience. Yeah. And I, I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not surprised to find it on Christianity Today. They generally do a good job of presenting a broad spectrum of Christian perspectives. Um, they, they do a pretty good job. They do have some guest posters yeah. and, and stuff that, but it's, it's like a Huff Post. Um, Christianity Today only curate, writes and creates a certain set of resources, and then it's, it's all guest posters and, and bloggers and stuff yeah. like that. But. Yeah. I mean, just in this article alone, the other link, like main linked articles are the capital attack signaled a post-Christian church, not merely a post-Christian culture, which carries a lot of implications. Same and author, by the way. Same author as this it? article. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jonathan Haidt says social media is making America stupid. So I don't disagree. That's a podcast. I was about to say, like, I'm kind of on board with that. Not it's not a hot take. It's, a <laughs> it's it. No, it's not. But right. You know, it's it's one that plays on your like. It's actually one that plays off of that feeling. Well, no, duh. But now I kind of want to see like why he thinks he's being wise here. I don't why know. we need to yeah. hear from him. Yeah. Like, I believe this. I want to hear somebody else reinforce my belief. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. Yeah. So. A, and that just gets down to a lot of about what clickbait is. And we've mentioned already clickbait plays on confirmation bias more than anything mm-hmm. else. You expect to see that article, to see the, the, the snippet of news, the factoid that it contains, and you want to be reassured in your belief. You want your belief to be reconfirmed. And so you click on it yeah. and you're like, yeah, that's what I thought. This, this stupid group did this thing. And it almost always centers around like a group. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'll signal, it'll single out a group and say this group did a thing and play on that othering and the tribalism of, well, that's an out group and not my group. And they're bad because they're the others. Yeah. Once you know to look for that, you're like, <laughs> I see what you're doing there. And screw you i don't like being manipulated yeah it's it's frustrating once you see it and it it definitely undermines one's ability to trust the things that they read especially when it should be a trustworthy news source Uh, but once you learn how to do it it's a skill that will get you far okay 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 is that all of our articles that's all of our articles are we done well i mean we need somebody to say something very awkward so that we can transition out of this thing. No, we can you know have what good else news, is awkward? right? Oh, good news? Is good news awkward? <laughs> <laughs> the good news is Botswana cuts the HIV transmission rates uh, in children from 40% to 1%. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, the World Health Organization. Um, Who? Botswana. Smart ass. Oh my God. You almost got me. You almost got me. (laughs) So close. You saw my mouth open. I did. I was like, damn it. (laughs) 
you'll not get me. An apple will. Fiber shell. Um, anyway, it stops the transmission of HIV from moms and their newborns since they started doing a program um, 23 years ago. So um, only four babies um, have been born with HIV all year um, in this one central district and then uh, none in all the others. So that is a giant good news thing. That is awesome. That is massive good news. That's so cool. And it was also the highest, um, goodness, the highest epidemic of HIV um, transmission. Botswana was. So pretty cool. Mm. So yeah, very important to get a a uh, massive win like that. My brain is bad at percentages and it really wants to say a 39% reduction, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what it is because it, is it was is. 40% transmission to 1% transmission. So much larger than a 39% reduction. Pretty amazing. <sighs> so there you go. You got your good news. That is good news. Yeah. It's great news. I think that about, does it for us then savannah oh look at that we're only 20 pressure. minutes behind pressure oh uh, what what am i pressure you want to take us out you want to take us out of here i mean she would like to take, take us out most out of the time <laughs> listen people we have to stay on the good side of the content moderators so we can't be talking about stuff like that I thought she would take us out for dinner. Unless you meant take yourself out on a date, in which case we can. You know the meme that I'm thinking of right now. so I sure do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so thank you guys for listening to our fireside breakdown of these lovely articles. Um, check us out on, uh, goodness, Instagram. Spotify, any place you listen to podcasts, uh, Facebook, please leave us a review. Um, check out our website, firesidebreakdowns.com, and take care of each other. Until next time. Bye.